0: Hey, hey, welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Ben Young, and with me today is... Jason. And a very special guest. You may know her as Carmel Mama or (laughs) Colin's girlfriend. Uh, It is... (laughs) It's Caroline. Hey, this is like a, you're, you're a very first like official guest.
1: I am and I'm so excited. So when you asked me if I wanted to be on the podcast, I got super excited and I texted several people about it and I promised Colin I wouldn't embarrass him. <laughs>
0: we, uh, <laughs> we 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 asked Caroline on here today because Caroline uh, is a trade as, as a nurse and so she's going to tell us all about the actual virus. Uh, right? Like that's you have Right. That
1: prepared, I'm going right? to go through the whole epide- de- epidemiology. I've had to truly so I can't talk real well.
0: Oh, that's fine. I'm I'm on my second drink as well, so we're we're okay. We we get drunk here. Uh no, no. Caroline's just just is really passionate about it and and not many people we know were really into the game, so we wanted to just uh, ask Caroline on to to chat with us because it's a good good game. So with that being said, Uh, I'm not gonna synopsize it because we're gonna start off with just our 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 impressions of the game, spoiler free. If you're listening to this, you're you're listening this either. This is a Patreon exclusive episode, but you're hearing a preview of it in our regular podcast form. So we want you to know how good it is, what we think of it uh beforehand, and then for the for the rest of our discussion, you're gonna have to go to patreon.com sci-fi cross sections and become a patron at the five dollar tier. It's five dollars a month for a, at least three new episodes a month, uh if not more. And it's 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 ramping up, it's growing exponentially. So please, please, please go to patreon.com slash sci fi cross sections. So uh let's diving into it uh what are you what are you guys' impressions of the last of us part two not so Um, fast so
2: i guess whoa no go ahead (laughs) i guess i'll start ben um so yes you know i was one of the individuals after the first last of us finished that was very much in the camp of there did not need to be a sequel uh, I think I was pretty vocal about that. I know you and I have talked about that kind of at length. Um, I wasn't one of the individuals that was really kind of pushing for a sequel or pushing for any sort of continuity to the story. I thought, you know, the the first Last of Us told a very succinct story. I thought, you know, it was um, it had a good beginning, middle and an end. Uh, I thought that as we kind of discussed in our Last of Us podcast, uh, probably 20 episodes ago or so. I thought that, you know, it was a perfect ending. I didn't really think it needed to go anywhere. But when it was announced, um, as I've kind of said, you know, I have that proclivity for the mic drop moments. So when the announcement trailer was released about, I think, like three or four years ago now, I was uh, still pretty excited, I got to say. You know, I was kind of approaching it with some kind of, like, uh, very tempered enthusiasm um, and was hoping for the best. Obviously, the release wasn't, uh, you know, fraught with... uh kind of a lot of issues, um, be it leaks or delays, but ultimately having beaten the game about a week ago now, I would say I beat it over the last weekend. Um, I would say that I was very surprised in a a positive way. Um, I thought they told a, a good story that was worth telling and I thought the gameplay and the visuals were phenomenal, um, and ultimately to me I thought it was uh, it, it lived up to the first one in every way. And I thought that uh, it was definitely a story that I'm glad saw the light of day. So those would be my first impressions, Ben. What
0: about you, Carolyn?
1: So I've had I had a different experience than you two because I didn't play the game. I just watched a Let's Play, so I just literally watched, you know, the gameplay of it, and that's what I did for the first Last of Us. Um, I think it was Markiplier that I watched for the first Last of Us, and then this one I did Jacksepticeye, and for the most part, they weren't, like, making too much commentary because they were both like, we, would, we just want to play the game, you know, we're not going to try to make funny comments. So my game experience was totally different where I'm watching it more like a movie. And so like I had a very different opinion than the first Last of Us ending where I found out that my opinion of the ending was very, very much different than everyone else. So like when I literally listened to the podcast for The Last of Us, I was just like, oh, 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 I had a bad opinion about this ending here. And I was even talking to like Andrew about it. And he was like looking at me like, I'm crazy. like he was like, no, that's like the bad opinion of this game where I was what was
0: what was it? What was your opinion of the first game?
1: So me being me, I was kind of just like in the mindset of like, well, why does Ellie have to be killed? I'm like, there shouldn't there be any like test done like what I just wanted was curious to know what like actual tests they have done on Ellie. Where it's, like, we know that in her, um, it's been years since I watched the first first Last of Us. It could have been easily, like, four or five years, you know. So, like, memory's fuzzy about, like, certain small details. But I know it was, like, in her brainstem. But I'm just curious to know, like, did they do, like, like, test out her cerebral spinal fluid? Did they do that? Did they, like, you know, like, I just wanted to know, like, what tests were done on Ellie to make it that she is... The only thing we have to kill her. Let's take her brain We This is the only way. So I'm just like, hold up one moment. We, we really need to think this out before we just potentially kill the only person that's the cure that has the only, like, true immunity. And so I didn't, like... Feel as bad when joel killed everyone but the the thing that was like kind of like resonated my like opinion that yeah i'm right was that i looked at the comments like there and a lot of people are like hold up one moment well how do we know that she was the only cure you know so i'm just like yeah yeah i'm right i'm right and then i hear the podcast it's like oh oh i gotta keep quiet about this one
0: (laughs) that's fair i think that's a fair fair perspective on it I think I think a lot of those answers are are given in in Last of Us 2 and we'll talk more about that in a bit right um I I do think that uh even I I I think those people who kind of like like not you withstanding I think you asked those questions because you're you're probably in the medical industry and you said a lot of words that you are in the medical industry and you said a lot of words that I didn't understand just now um, like cerebral spinal fluid. I don't know. Like a
1: spinal tap. You like basically. Oh, yeah, the band. Yeah, exactly.
0: And uh, I, I. But a lot of the people who like question the ending of the first one and who kind of like paint Joel in a good light, I feel like did it because of some sort of weird attachment to Joel rather than an actual like answer or an, an actual concern for Ellie. So, and we'll get get more into that as well. Uh, but, you, what do you, so what is your opinion watching too? then?
1: It's kind of one of those things, Like, pro- like, I still had a great time. I really loved what I saw. But, like, we'll talk more about spoilers later. But it was just like, I can't imagine what the gameplay would have been like you know, like feeling the story and going through the gameplay while I'm just like watching it. Like I have no choice, you know, like I can't make my um, decisions if that makes sense without, you know, revealing spoilers just yet. But okay. I had a great time. I'll just leave it at that.
0: Sure. And I think, I think your perspective on it is going to be really interesting because your perspective is the exact reason I'm so against a TV show of The Last of Us. And why, if you've listened to our, our other episodes where we've talked about it in the news about how this is coming on HBO with Neil Druckmann in charge and the guy who did Chernobyl, I think, I, I think having a participant point of view kind of takes out a whole part of the game. And I'm excited to dive deeper into that to, to see where some of your opinions lie. I I loved this. I think it's it's going up in the greats. It's definitely game of the year, um, and it's going to be a tough game to beat when it comes to the rest of this decade.
1: You mean Animal Crossing doesn't beat it? Uh,
0: no, no, it doesn't. No, because uh, I I I've I've I haven't gone back to Animal Crossing. I've abandoned my I've abandoned my villagers. Your I'm weeds. abandoning my I mean, boys. The weeds Let's have be all the real. Bone.
2: Let's be real. So Animal Crossing is twice as violent, but
0: <laughs> No, I I do, I do think the only game that's really going to come up against The Last of Us 2 at this point this decade is going to be God of War 2.
1: Oh, is there a God five. War game coming out?
0: Yeah, they're coming out with a sequel of oh. the one they had on PS4.
1: I literally had no idea about that. I don't keep up with Wait. news.
0: Wait, did you did you 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 watch you watched or played the, the one that um, came out on PS four, right?
1: Uh uh-uh, uh I literally did not watch that gameplay at all. So I literally oh. did not even know oh, that okay. there was a second uh. one coming out. I don't keep up with the news. Well yeah.
2: Well, let me ask you both a question. So the comparison I wanted to make when we kind of got into it, um, which may or may not be right now, but hopefully isn't, was actually Red Dead 2. Mm. So I know Caroline had kind of gone through Red Dead 2, but did you have a chance to play that, Ben?
0: yeah, I played the fuck out of Red Dead 2.
2: Okay, cool. cool. So that's going to be kind of the crux of my comparison uh, when we kind of actually, you know, get into the the meat and potatoes here. Um, But yeah, no, I I can definitely see what you're saying. I think there's a few games this generation that really kind of pushed it in terms of production value and story um, and kind of pushed that whole argument of games as an art form, if you will. I definitely think Last of Us Two is one of those games. Um, I think it's interesting that it's been so divisive, and that's kind of part of what I would like to touch on tonight oh, as we well, have to. um, right? Because I've I've definitely been uh, I've been kind of sadomasochistic here in the last you know week uh, on the <laughs> the <laughs> subreddits, and my my goodness, <laughs> uh, wow! Uh, we'll we'll definitely touch on that, I'm sure, but um. Yeah, just really interesting to kind of see the, uh, I guess, the response to the game coming out, um, the response to the story now that people have kind of had the opportunity to consume it and really sit with it and kind of spend time with it. Um, So yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited to discuss it with both of you. Um, And uh, like I said, generally, I enjoyed it. And I thought it was kind of a worthy um, successor to the first one, which I think is probably one of all, collectively, at least I know for Ben and I for sure, like one of our favorite oh, yeah. games as far as the I story think, I goes. I think this one, I think so, this one
0: is better than the first one. I truly do, and I'll just say that right now.
2: Ben, you're gonna get death threats <laughs> starting <laughs> All tomorrow. The
0: good, bring it on. I, I what are neck beards? What am I gonna do? Uh, that's a good point, and I really want to start talking more in depth about it. So there you have it. It's a good game. You should play it um don't listen to the very loud minority who are review bombing it it's very very good and if you liked the last of us part one you and you like our opinions on the last of us part one you will 100 percent like the last of us part two so now to hear the rest of our discussion please go to patreon.com slash sci-fi cross sections and become a subscriber at the five dollar tier uh, spoilers for he- from here on out for all of those who are on our Patreon right now. So if you are on our Patreon and you have not uh, list, if you have not played The Last of Us Two and you don't want to be spoiled, turn it off now and go play it because we're about to talk about everything.
2: We're gonna ruin it. Beep, 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 I'm gonna beep, ruin beep. it
0: in ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Joel dies.
1: I was hoping that would be your spoiler. I was hoping to God that it would just be like, Joel is dead. He got killed by a five iron.
2: So, okay. So, so now that we've kind of like the big ones out there. So I will tell both of you that luckily. So I heard that the leaks kind of were out and they were out in the wild. And I did my damnedest to avoid any sort of spoilers because obviously it was something that you know as it got closer I was really really looking forward to um it was not spoiled for me so I will say that through my own diligence and just kind of I guess not (laughs) being curious and not you know clicking on the wrong web pages the last of us part two was not spoiled for me so I went into it when I, I purchased it I you know Uh, downloaded it. I did the hundred gig patch or whatever the hell it was. And I played the game through, I think as the developers intended. So I didn't have any inclination that anything was going to happen to Joel or, you know, I I really didn't know. And I will say that that scene to me that it really, it really hit me. You know, it was kind of one of those, um, you know, suck the air out of the room sort of moments for me. Um, But I'll say just right off the bat, like, you know, being a Naughty Dog production, they're going to really lean heavily on the production values, and just the game from, you know, frame one is just stunning. I mean, as far as a modern AAA video game, uh, as far as, you know, modern graphics technology, modern animation technology, just presentation uh, as a whole, you know, really a video games is kind of a, a new school visual medium, um, or media, just blown away. I mean, holy shit. I'm sure you probably both felt similar, um, but I was just awestruck, Uh, especially, you know, the opening scene where Joel and Tommy are kind of uh, talking through the whole Firefly incident, and, um, you know, you get the sun setting over Jackson, and they're, you know, riding the horses back. It was just like, holy shit, I'm in for the ride, you know, here we go. So it really hooked me just right away, and I thought that, Diving into the the meat of the story, you know, within the first few hours, kind of in the prologue, um, I, I thought it was a really ballsy move to kind of do the uh, different perspective thing, kind of the perspective switches, but I thought it really kind of went a long way in establishing the story that they ultimately were trying to tell, and I didn't, at that point, I wasn't really aware if they were going to, like, go back to the Abbey perspective, like, kind of... Obviously, they would do later in this story, but I thought that it was a really clever way of kind of introducing those mechanics. And, um, I, I mean, it had my buy in right away. Um, I, I know I can't speak for every fan or non fan of the game, but I thought it was a really kind of ballsy take on the story to, uh, to be jumping back and forth within the first hour of, you know, a game that most of us have been waiting the better part of a decade for.
0: So, fun fact. I stand Laura Bailey like a fucking freak, and I I kind of I've kind of I while I was not spoiled I kind of figured Joel was gonna die, I figured he was gonna die off screen actually I figured like the game would open up and he would be dead, um so when the game opens up and you're playing as him, I was like oh all right well I was wrong about that, um and we're playing as Abby voiced by Laura Bailey. I loved her. I was I was so into that character. I was like, "Oh man, here's here we go. What's what's she going to bring to this game? I am so fucking excited for this character. She is going to be such a great joy to have." And then she clubs Joel in the head with a five iron, like (laughs) Caroline says. And it felt it was such a greater betrayal for me, I think, just because like I like other people may have been distrusting of her early on. Early on. I was like, no, no, no. It's not all as it seems. They're not looking for someone to kill them. They're looking for someone because they have something important. And uh, I was very upset to be very wrong about that because I was just trusting of Laura Bailey in general. She also doesn't play villains often, which was another big shock.
1: She was a big villain in Full Metal Alchemist.
0: I didn't know she, she's in Full. I don't. Yeah, I don't she's lust. like once
1: you told me who she was, I looked her up and I realized like, oh wait, I actually know who she is.
0: I don't. I don't know that stuff. It's it's that's an the anime Bacher wheelhouse. Yeah. I know. I don't. I don't not, watch that.
1: But it was so like interesting <laughs> because I literally don't look up trailers for anything. Like unless it's a movie, I'm dying to see like a hundred percent. I might just look up like the first teaser trailer or and I don't read anything about the movie like uh, what was a good example like Fantastic Beast and Where to find them like the first movie i had no idea that johnny depp was even going to be in the movie so like when he appeared my friends were like yeah he's in the movie you didn't know like i literally do not re- read anything about movies i don't read anything about video games if i'm interested in them i don't look up trailers because i kind of find it like more fun to not know anything and go deep in. So the only thing I knew was that we're playing Ellie. So I just assumed that Joel was going to die or there was going to be something that happened. So when Abby, like, you start playing as Abby, I'm like, who's she? Like, I was just, like, already, like, what's this game trying to pull over on me? I don't trust this (laughs) at all. I do not feel safe. And it's kind of like I really liked the character design because when's the last time you saw a buff woman that like is just like completely like flat chested big arms like I just wanted to be held by her at one point because I'm just like look at her be be
2: careful Caroline you're gonna start getting death threats now
1: (laughs) like look at them like who needs weapons when she got them guns like I was just like admiring her at that point and it was just like and then like I like but that was the best thing about the game was like the setup is that you're starting to like this character you're intrigued who they are And then she straight up murders the most beloved character, not because he was a good character, but because people liked him. Like, even though he did not like he he, he's done bad stuff, like he did not do anything like redeeming the first game, technically, but she killed off. A big character, and it just kind of sets you up where you're in that rage where you feel like Ellie, where you're just watching like this person be killed in front of you, so you helplessly. just feel that rage. Like, it's such a great setup, yeah. Like and
2: did. I mean, it totally is. And like, that's kind of you know, one of the key points I think, um, go- going into the game. Like, you know, that was un- unfortunately, I think, that was one of the scenes, you know, two hours into a 30 hour long game that put off a ton of people because they were looking at Joel as kind of something different than I think, you know, at least in the discussion we had, you know, a few months ago on the last of us part one, um, you know, like I know Ben and I kind of talked at length about Joel's kind of true nature and and like really who he was. And I thought that, you know, I, I was one of those people that really with the first announcement trailer, I kind of called that like, Joel's going to be dead or he's going to die. Like, you know, there's no way Joel makes it through the last of us part two. So like, I wasn't really necessarily surprised when they killed his character off, but I think what really kind of, and I wouldn't say shocked me, but what really kind of hit home was the brutality of it. Yeah. Because, you know, one of the things that's kind of been like heralded, I guess um, for, for better or for worse with the last of us part two. And I think probably as a sign of the times for worse um, is just the 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 violence and the brutality and just kind of like the viscera at which this game kind of gets its point across. You know, it's a very dark, very kind of gray, <laughs> very violent game for kind of a very screwed up time that we find ourselves living in. Um, so you know, it, it's not the game's fault, but I don't think it really <laughs> it came out in like uh, the you know the best atmosphere for for people to really kind of. Um, take its kind of message I guess or maybe take its story for, for what it's worth because I think everyone's kind of so down in the dumps and downtrodden mm-hmm. given the state of the world you know it's certainly not helping uh, matters in regards to that but yeah I just thought that it was a really interesting setup and I like how they 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 truly do pick it up as a Part two, you know, it does feel like a continuation of a larger story. It would have been really easy for them to say, Oh, 10 years later, Joel and Ellie are on some other adventure and some random bullshit happens. It made but itself necessary. They... Yeah, in every way, I feel like it did connect itself meaningfully to the first story. And although, you know, obviously there's, a, as Ben said, kind of the vocal minority uh, that kind of rejected the story beats and rejected the story that Naughty Dog tried to tell. Um, I thought, by and large, the message was was powerful. Uh, I think, you know, it, it gets derided as kind of a simple message, as a, oh yeah, revenge bed, duh. But truth be told, I thought the way that they kind of spun those cycles, which is a whole other part I'm sure we'll get into, and I really would like to get into in more depth, but... The way that they told the story and the perspective shifts really, I I mean, you couldn't tell that story without kind of, I I would say, if not masterfully, um, carefully handling those perspective shifts and kind of carefully handling what you're showing and how you're showing it, if that makes any sense. So I, I thought they did a really good job with that because to me... And, you know, Ben, I know you're a writer, so you, you kind of understand the importance. If you are in a position where you can tell a story, and it's one story, you're trying to tell it from multiple perspectives, and you can make the audience sympathize with the villain, that's pretty impressive oh, yeah. from a storytelling standpoint. Absolutely. And I thought that was why I kind of respected um, Druckman and, you know, the, the, the creatives at Naughty Dog for kind of telling this story, because... To me it was kind of, it was ballsy, you know, it would have been easy to just kind of oh yeah, it's Ellie and Joel on, you know, some revenge quest or Ellie and Joel just kind of doing more of the same from Last of Us Part 1 or even just Ellie seeking revenge and not really taking it a step further, but I thought the fact that they did try to take it a step further, you know, with I mean, your your results may vary, but like I thought that that was at least they were at least going for Kind of the larger payoff or the or trying to tell the larger story it certainly didn't feel like they were trying to limit their uh, their scope or their ambition with this one
0: for the record we need to give Hallie Gross her credit where credit's due because she's the Druckmann was a writer but Hallie Gross is the writer and narrative lead of The Last of Us Part Two. so Hallie Gross it, like Druckmann directed it, and he did a wonderful job directing it. But Halle Gross's script is is top of the line. It's very tight, perfect. Um, I did want to say I want to go back. You you've, you went through a lot of points there, Jason, and we'll we'll do some of it in more depth. But I want to say this right now: <clears throat> if you sympathize with Joel to the point of hating the game because he dies you're part of the problem that the game is talking about because at the end of the day it hurt it hurts to see it happen it it's a difficult scene and it's, it's made even more difficult by how helpless Ellie is you're in Ellie's position and you're in you're playing as her when you walk in on it and it's it, it hurts because it's helpless you, it makes you feel helpless but if you idolize this dude, and you, that is why you're upset with The Last of Us Part 2. I have some bad news for you. Joel had it coming. Period. He had it coming since... He had it coming since before The Last of Us Part 1 started. What does Ellie say when, uh, when I think Dina asks her, like, does she have any idea who these people are? And Ellie's like, Joel made a lot of enemies. It's like this dude was not good. He was never good. When we first meet him, he's a gun runner, who kills a dude that screws him over. So, he's a bad dude, and he deserved that five iron to the head. It hurts. It sucks. But it, when it really comes down to, and this is it's interesting because this is constantly what I'm wrestling with playing as Ellie. I'm trying to like trying to to pass my my knowledge into her and be like he deserves this. Why are you trying to avenge this dude? He is an awful person. And then you come to find out she knew. She knew what he did. She could easily draw to the logical conclusion. These people are from Seattle, the out, out west. Where were they before? They were out west. Oh, what could it possibly be? Who could be mad at Joel so much that they go and kill him? Who could it be?
1: But we don't know, like, certain details due to the narrative of, like, she knew, but we didn't know how the, like, them two as two characters, how they're interacting at that point. Because we just automatically assumed, like, they're not talking. So we get, like, you know, some exposition dialogue that it doesn't seem like they're at the best relationship but it seems like they're building. So it's kind of hard to say of, like, what's actually going on. Where it's like, you know, in the beginning it's like, oh, something bad happened and she never forgave him. You know, like, that kind of stuff. But to also piggyback on the both of you and how people are upset, like, oh, he got killed in the most brutal way possible. There, the subject is the cycle of violence. Where, like, you mentioned that in the first game where it's just like, You know, like, it's just a tired, like, cycle of violence. Like, these people straight up murder each other. You know, like, maybe less brutal, like, you know, the cannibals and stuff like that from the first game. But, like, like, we can't have a moral compass exactly when it's just, like... Joel has done all this like violent shit in the first game and then we get upset when like he's killed in a brutal way possible we don't know what the reason is but we can't like we're just upset because we witnessed it happen you know like this is a character that we loved and this is from Ellie's perspective of you know someone that she's cared for we don't know what happened in between that time just yet of why like is she upset because she never got to forgive him or was she like on the mend with him at that point it was just like it, you, like you said you just feel helpless like during that moment
0: absolutely and well I, yes. I, and i originally thought that she was mad at him because he, she came out to him or something yeah, that was my I was original thought that too. and and that nothing worked out I' never expected that she actually found out the truth and i i was even once i learned that she found out the truth I was even more shocked that she was so gung-ho about going after his killer because I I think what it really comes down to, because Ellie talks about early on, she's like, well, maybe maybe I'll have a movie night with Joel when she's talking to Dina. And I think I think there's a part of her that's looking to forgive her, forgive him. But I think most importantly, there's a part of her that's angry. It wasn't her that got to kill him. I think there i really think that's the case and we'll never she never says it and we can never say for sure but i do think there that a part of her in tracking down abby is that she was never able to get the closer she needed and i think that closure for ellie would be to be the one who to to finally let him die or put him down in some way and and, and joel would have accepted it i
1: don't like with that perspective more or less like I don't really see that where I don't think Ellie would have killed him I think it was just like that period of like she was still trying to find a way to like you know forgive him to get that closure in the end and I think that's why she set out for her revenge
2: yeah so I mean I, I actually agree with Caroline there as far as the interpretation of kind of you know Ellie and Joel's story or I guess how Ellie and Joel's story Closes, or kind of how you know Joel's death, uh, I guess kickstarts kind of Ellie's journey towards some sort of redemption, ultimately in the end. I guess if you wanted to look at it that way, like to me, so it's interesting. I remember back to when we did our initial Last of Us podcast and we talked about kind of how much of a monster Joel was, and you know, the fact that he robbed Ellie of her agency. He robbed her of her decision to kind of, you know, make make that choice for herself as to whether she lives or dies, as to whether, you know, she's a sacrifice for the good of humanity or, you know, whatever. I mean, we talked about it at length. And it was interesting to me because I feel like Naughty Dog ultimately took kind of the middle ground um, as far as how that relationship or how the the lie, in, in quotes, I would say, uh, was perceived. So what I mean by that is... We don't start this story with them irrevocably, you know, destroyed as far as their relationship goes. You know, we start the story where it's cold, it's distant, but it's not like, you know, you're dead to me type relationship. And this was, as we don't know at the beginning, but, you know, we come to find out after Ellie has found out basically the truth. So she knows, you know, she knows what happened. She knows exactly what Joel did. She knows his actions, um, basically, and his justifications for those actions, but she still has that capacity to try, at least in the ending, to try to forgive him and try to rebuild that relationship. So I think it's interesting because, you know, a, a year ago or six months ago or whatever when we did our episode and subsequently, you know, seven years ago when we played The Last of Us Part One for the first time, I think the... The thought or the inclination is that that's such a lie that if the truth ever was found out, it would be impossible to come back from. But I think one of the things I kind of respected about the story is that it doesn't try to hide from that. It, it grapples with it in the forefront. It's 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 all out there. You know, it's it's known. And how are these characters, A, damaged by that revelation? And B, how do they come back from it? How are they going to treat it, you know? In Ellie's case, surprisingly to me, you know, she's willing by the end of the story to kind of let bygones be bygones and try to start the healing process, which I think ultimately kind of even lends, um, you know, more kind of credence to the, I guess, the the thesis that the story seemingly is about revenge, but could be kind of construed as being about forgiveness, which I kind of like. I like that interpretation of it. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. I don't see Ellie as grappling with rage towards Joel or like any sort of ill will towards Joel. I see it more as kind of a conflicted sense of wanting to forgive him because she does care about him, but also feeling robbed of, uh, like we discussed in our Last of Us one podcast, robbed of that agency and robbed of the chance at a, I guess, meaningful life, if you will, or a meaningful death.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. I, I, it's all very good points. Um, you, we talked about the split narrative and, uh, the whole concept of playing as Ellie for the first, literally the first half of the game and then Abby for the second half of the game. I didn't expect it to be a full half. Um, and it was done I, – I, I, I think at the end of the day, my, my one gripe about this game is I maybe would have liked to see it back and forth more than just all in one chunk on each side. I don't know how you guys. Feel yeah, about that. that
1: was like something that was like the like only, like one of like the most legitimate criticisms of the game, where it's like we get this big buildup of like Ellie tri- going after Abby, and then we get to that point, and then it cuts to Abby, and but at the same time, I don't know like how he could have done it better because you know like some people are mad that we get to this buildup, and then we're stuck at Abby where we're like playing for a while, and we're getting back to that big buildup. But i don't know like how that would have worked story-wise because all the sh- like stuff that we went through ellie like when we do what we did like we straight up murdered a pregnant woman at this point so i don't know like how like if we went to like day one ellie then day one of abby day two of, you know like it kind of was like more like a brutal shock of like oh This is a different perspective that we're going through. Great. I have to empathize the dogs that we murdered at this point. We find (laughs) out it's a girl named Alice. Great. I have to feel bad for my actions now. But like, I don't know. Like at that point, like I was even like sitting there like, would it have been in like a better storyline if we went back and forth? Or is it just better that we had, you know, a big chunk of the game with Ellie and then a big chunk of the game with Abby? I, I still don't know.
2: I think that to that point, so it, it, it was definitely a creative decision because you can go either way. And I feel like there's pros and cons to each approach. If you did the back and forth and you did, you know, day one, Ellie, day one, Abby, day two, Ellie, day two, Abby, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Some of those moments I think could have had a bit more of a dramatic payoff. For instance, you know, if you're following kind of the story as, you know, Abby's interacting with like Owen and Mel and and you know Ellie is kind of on her her search or whatever if you were interacting as Abby with Owen and Mel you know in the moment and then all of a sudden you switch to you know Ellie day 3 and you kill Owen and Mel i think that would have had an impact but that being said i think it also had an impact you seeing those characters kind of perish at the hands of Ellie at the hands of our you know finger quotes hero and then, kind of living through um, Abby's eyes, and kind of seeing those characters as you know friends and good people, and people with dreams, and people that kind of wanted to, in their own way, escape the cycle of violence or the cycle of revenge or whatever, and that didn't really care about you know the conflict or the greater conflict that was going on in Seattle, uh, just kind of wanted to you know do their own thing and live their life and you know leave it all behind. I thought it was kind of powerful either way. So. I definitely agree with Ben to an extent that I think the structure could have been broken up and could have been, you know, could have, could have gone a, a few different ways. Um, but ultimately, I, I, I think, I mean, we, we all create stuff, right? So, like, whether it's, you know, film, music stories, whatever it is, like, at the end of the day, I can respect that as a creative decision. I don't think that that was something that was done by committee. I don't think that was, you know, corporate That wasn't Sony saying, Oh, you gotta tell the story this way so we can sell a billion copies. I think that was, you know, the creatives at Naughty Dog saying, you know what, this is kind of how we want to break the story up. We think that there's a virtue or a value in telling the story in this way. And that was the choice they made. So I mean I can respect it, but I can definitely see the other way. I'm also
0: not saying that this way was wrong and that the other way would have been better. I'm saying I, I would I'd be curious to see how much better it would be be at the end of the day uh just because there there were points of fatigue with abby's story i felt literally most of most of her side most of her perspective for is is meant for character reparations it's she's we have this character who everyone hates right off the bat and they're going to make her better they, the Naughty Dog has now challenged us. They said, no, no, no. You're going to like her by the end of this. And we're like, okay, prove it. Show us. And their first step is, well, she plays just like Joel. I hear a helicopter. That was weird.
1: I heard something,
0: um, too. like It was weird. I think uh, something outside of Jason's window. I gotta go to the All right. So right okay. Do you want us to continue? Or wait? Okay. Uh so um I think Caroline I don't know if you and I were talking about this or were talking about this with someone else but she plays just like Joel
1: no, that wasn't me, but, like, that's something that I heard or picked up on right away, just because, like, you know, with Ellie, you're being all stealthy, and then, like, j- like that was one of the things I couldn't get that perspective of, like, the gameplay, but just, like, Jacksepticeye, like, getting so excited to play Abby, he's like, oh, I can go, and guns are blazing, just blow everything up, but that was something that he said that, oh, we play as Joel now, this is great, so, like, it's, hard for me to actually know what the gameplay is like in that perspective because I'm just watching it. And
0: and, and then not just that, but she plays as Joel, and then they give you a child to watch over who is good with a bow and arrow. And it's like, okay, I see what you're doing here. And like that stuff I really liked. I liked everything with Lev. I liked everything with Yara. I thought that was all really I, I wonderful storytelling. I loved that
1: side too, because it was just like, it was still like at a certain point, like, nope, you can't make me like this character. Nope, don't make me feel bad about the actions I made. I don't care that I murdered these people. I don't care that I murdered dogs. Nope, don't make me like it. And then we get to the point where it's like, <laughs> we meet, meet up with Yara and Lev and it's just like god damn it I like Abby a lot where it's like it like the biggest theme I feel like of the story is not just like only, only redemption but it's just closure because Abby's having like nightmares every single night of her father's death she's waking up in night terrors. And the only time that she wakes up peacefully is when she goes and saves Yara and Lev. Where, like, even, like, she has a nightmare. Like, after she kills um Joel, she's still having those nightmares. And the one nightmare that's different is, you know, picturing them being killed, you know, hanged. And when she goes and saves them, she finally gets that closure of, like, her dad is alive and well, you know, in the... OR, and she sees him happy. And then she w- that's when she wakes up peaceably because she had the closure that she needed. Not the exact closure that she was expecting to get it from, but she got that closure like in the end where it it's like the start of that breaking of the violence that we are going to see later on in the game.
2: Well, what I thought was interesting, so the if you look at the character arcs between Abby and Ellie... Abby is offset. And what I mean by that is Abby kind of hits her arcs before Ellie does. So everything that, and they, they very much did this on purpose. And I know you both picked up on this. uh, So it's, you know, it goes without saying, but like the characters mirror each other in, in, in pretty much every way, you know, that they're that was part of the point of the characterization of Abby is that Abby and Ellie are the same person. They, they could be, Friends, You know, they could be best friends in some other universe where, you know, the the world hadn't ended. And I think it's interesting because, you know, Abby reaches kind of the conclusion of her revenge arc when she kills Joel. So within the first two hours of the story and really all of her playable time is her realizing that that left her empty and it really didn't resolve anything for her. And so she kind of tries to find that absolution or that fulfillment elsewhere, which is the, uh, you know, Yara and Lev's story. Whereas Ellie's character is kind of way behind, you know, Abby's actions kind of set Ellie's story in motion, which is why even going towards the ending and kind of the extended uh, epilogue in Santa Barbara, that's still Ellie kind of grappling with, and wrestling with a lot of the same sort of emotions and feelings that Abby had already dealt with, you know, two or three chapters earlier, you know, five, six hours game time earlier. Uh, So I thought that was really clever because, you know, you have this character that is kind of set up as the villain or the antagonist or whatever, but that character kind of goes through that transformation much, much earlier than our protagonist. And um, I, I thought that kind of like dichotomy between characters was, was pretty powerful, um, in that, you know, a lot of those scenes where they kind of pit character against character for me, at least, you know, it was, well, Abby gets it like she's, you know, especially the ending, um, she, she's over it, you know, she's, she's done with it. She doesn't want anything to do with it. And I thought that that kind of made, I guess that sense of loss or that, um, sense of, wanting to find closure, but not really understanding that that type of closure isn't really fulfilling in any way or isn't really going to solve anything or answer anything or definitively kind of put the put the period at the end of, you know, the the, the story that Ellie's kind of living through, like the fact that she doesn't understand that until she gets through kind of the trials of Santa Barbara, I guess. You know, it's tragic, but it also makes sense. And I thought that... Them kind of, um, I guess, writing the story in that way was, was clever because if you're open to it and you're open to kind of the message, it's great. And it really kind of hammers home that point. If you're not and you kind of subscribe to kind of the base level of, well, yeah, she needs to get revenge for, you know, well, what the hell, you know, Joel's dead. She killed Joel like she needs to she needs to die like you're, you're missing the point. So I I don't know, I I think that I loved I love
0: that trope. I love that trope so much of of the cowboy the 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 adventure is over, the cowboy has come home from the west and they've settled on a on a nice ranch and but but now they they get some information that something's out there, that, that, that that one loose end is still up and they go out there. And that trope always has one of two endings, and I knew it right away. And the moment uh, Tommy showed up and started talking about getting Abby, I was like, "You idiot!" Because there are two endings. The first ending is no one dies. Ellie learns her lesson. The cowboy learns her lesson, and everyone moves on with their lives. Uh, the second one is everyone dies. It's a bloodbath, and nothing good happens. And it was the first one. It's the it's the former kind of ending but my favorite thing is that she's punished for going back she doesn't cross the line she ends up pulling back she breaks the cycle but she's punished for it and that's not something that happens often usually if a hero is willing to come up to the line and move away from it by the end of it they're 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 like oh everything's okay congratulations you go home you'll be forgiven and it's I, I literally had got goosebumps when it happened, when she came home after after saving Abby, quote unquote, <laughs> and picked up the guitar <laughs> and tried to play it. And it was fucked up. And I got goosebumps because I was like, what a perfect. And she I believe she was trying to play. Uh, if I ever lost you. Right. I Which think was so, Joel's too. Song. And yeah, she she lost it. And now not only did she lose Joel, but she lost her connection to him as well for going there. Yeah. And I thought that was, I thought that was powerful. I think like, because I... you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't learn anything if you're not punished. You know what I'm saying?
1: I think i like texted you, Ben, like at that moment, I was like, they did her dirty. She can't play the guitar no more. Uh, but like something that was really interesting that I picked up is that, in the beginning it's Ellie going to Tommy like we need to do this we need to set out for this revenge you know really trying to pull Tommy and Tommy had so much to lose at this point point. and then at the end it's Tommy who's like who's physically disabled his wife he left his wife and he's now seeking revenge like he's totally a different character from the beginning where he was using trying to use logic of no we can't really do this and now it's Tommy that's trying to get Ellie to seek revenge like Ellie like that was in the back of Ellie's mind at that point that you know going back out to seek Abby and then it was you know Ellie that lost everything at the end We're we don't know if she, if Dina's gonna take her back. I'm assuming that Dina went back to that town, but we don't know exactly where she's at with the baby. And Ellie lost her fingers. She lost her guitar fingers. Like at that point, where it's just like, oh my gosh. Where yeah, technically, Ellie did get the closure, and you know, at what cost? At like, but at what cost? But I really saw an interesting perspective where. The first game gives you a false sense of hope where it seems like a happy ending, but not so much. while the last of us two, it seems very bleak, but there's potential for hope. That was his perspective of the ending where it's like, yeah, there's still a potential that, you know, everything could go well, you know, maybe Dina takes her back and then maybe Abby and Lev find the fireflies, you know, who knows? So that's up for interpretation, but I thought that was interesting. I like
0: to. Well, yeah. So, true, honestly, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, yes. neither of them did the bad thing. Neither of them killed each other, and they managed to get away from it. I don't, you know, they don't have to lose everything. They were punished, and now they can move on with their lives. So, I like to think that Ellie will get back with Dina, and Abby, of course, I'd like to think would get back with the Fireflies.
1: And it's just something where. Well,
2: so. No, I I just I just want to say really quick, kind of in response to your point, Caroline. So basically um, that whole ending epilogue scene, um, it was kind of funny because I messaged Ben too. like I got to the farm the first time and I've been like fighting to beat this game for the past three weeks. It's just been so busy. And I messaged Ben because I literally it was like one in the morning on like a Tuesday. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to beat this game tonight. And I got to the farm. And then, like, when I switch perspective back to Abby in Santa Barbara, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm not going to beat this game tonight. <laughs> and I messaged Ben, and he's like, yeah, you probably got about three hours left. <laughs> and I just kind of laughed. I was like, okay, I see what they're doing. But, like, I, I as just a little aside, I just want to bring that up. But I think it's interesting because Tommy, in the end, and I'm sure this was, you know, it, it's on the nose, but it, it's still pretty clever. So, if you notice... When they were in the theater, I thought Tommy was dead. I thought Abby shot him in the head, killed Tommy. So when Tommy comes back, I was, excuse me, I was a little bit surprised. Um, you see the- wait, you see wait, wait! I'm eyes- sorry. I- I'm
0: interrupting you. I'm sorry. If there's no yeah. body, he ain't dead. Period. We saw a dead Jesse, and I knew Jesse was dead. We did not see a dead Tommy. He got yeah. shot, and the camera well, cut away. I knew he was fine.
2: Well. Well, with how they were kind of handling things, I was, like, fully prepared for, oh, okay, Tommy's dead now. So when Tommy comes back, it was like, oh, okay, cool, Tommy's alive. But if you notice, so Tommy's right eye is, like, you know, it's damaged. And he looks to potentially even be blind in that eye based on the injuries that he received from, you know, Abby kind of shooting him or whatever and kind of getting a grazing wound. So I thought his character shift in the end was interesting because – it really does hammer home the trope or the symbolism of an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Um, he he kind of has that mentality now, where he's very much just kind of for revenge, and he's for you know getting what he thinks are his just desserts, and you know, gotta kill Abby, gotta finish this, whatever. Where he wasn't before. So I thought it was kind of interesting, you know, uh, physical symbolism, at least in the physical change of his character. Mm. As far as like the ending goes, um, I really liked it uh, when we finally got to that scene where, you know, Ellie comes back to the farm and Dina and JJ are gone. And, you know, she walks through the house and, you know, the house is empty, whereas before it was very warm and kind of welcoming. And, you know, it was this kind of cozy home in this post-apocalyptic hellscape. Now it's just very cold and, you know, there's really nothing inviting or warm about it. And when you get up to that room, you know, the kind of Ellie's studio, I guess, it's it's unchanged from the first time we're at the farm in the uh, the beginning of the epilogue. And I thought that was really powerful, and I enjoyed the scene with the guitar because, again, you know, the guitar comes up several times throughout the course of the story, and it is kind of the, the um, I guess, like, tangible connection or physical connection um, and symbol of Joel and Ellie kind of together in their time together. Um So I thought that, you know, the missing fingers and not being able to play guitar and, you know, leaving the guitar behind, kind of symbolizing leaving Joel behind was pretty powerful. But I I kind of tended to to pick up on a few things in the ending that I also would say were kind of hopeful. Um, If you notice, when you beat the game, if you go back to the menu screen, it's the boat that Lev and Abby leave on, and they're actually at the landmark that uh, the Fireflies mention in the radio transmission when they are in Santa Barbara. So they kind of ambiguously, but not ambiguously, like tell you that, yes, they did in fact make it to the Fireflies. Wait, repeat that? So that was kind of... So the main menu changes from the boat in the fog and in the mist to the boat beached Right by where the new Firefly base is.
0: Oh, I I didn't notice that. I don't know why I didn't notice that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so Abby and Lev do, in fact, make it to the new Firefly's base. If they're
0: they're still there. It's been a couple weeks at that point. That's a cool detail. Yeah, but
2: that is so... So their story kind of ends there. The other thing that was kind of hopeful for me, and, and you both may or may not have kind of picked up on it, but to me, this is my reading of the ending. So I'll just kind of go go there now. Um, when Ellie shows up to the farm, she's wearing the bracelet that Dina gave her. Um, she also, when she kind of walks in, she doesn't say, Dina, JJ, Dina, JJ, where you at? I'm, you know, I'm home. She kind of goes in, seemingly to me anyway, with kind of a mission And I think she accomplishes that mission. So in my reading of this story, she has already been to Jackson. She is already kind of reconciled with Dina. And she was going back to the farm for closure, which I think she gets when she kind of plays the guitar and expects to feel something and realizes that, you know, she's severed that connection. I think at that point she realizes that, you know, it's it's okay. It's time to move on. I don't, you know, I'm done. I'm done with this kind of chapter in my life. And then that's kind of where she leaves it. And that's why she leaves the guitar there. So that's my reading of the ending. So I think both characters got a relatively happy ending, or if not happy, you know, they obviously went through trials to kind of get to that point and, and many tribulations to get to that point um, and s- certainly suffered. But ultimately, as Ben said, they didn't do the thing. They They didn't go past that point where they were going to completely kind of lose their humanity um and I think you know throughout the course of the story they both kind of receive their their penance or they both kind of do their penance or they do their time um obviously the whole rattlers scene with Abby and you know when we see her again she's Hanging on, you know, a pillar, emaciated. You know, she's like probably a third the size of what she is throughout the story when she's healthy and you know, in in fighting mode. Um, I think you know she kind of was paying penance for what she did to Joel, but at the same time, I think Ellie, you know, pretty much everything we experience and everything she loses is her kind of paying penance for, um, I guess, the way she was handling the events of the story and kind of her drive for vengeance or revenge. And I think ultimately both those characters realize that that isn't the way. And by both breaking that cycle of violence and cycle of revenge, they give themselves a chance at an actual life and not a life necessarily driven by the pursuit of violence uh, in order to, I guess, feel better about themselves.
1: To be honest, when Abby lost all her muscles, that was the real tragedy for me. She works so hard on them. But yeah, it's just one of those. Like, I can't imagine playing that ending of when Abby and Ellie are trying to kill each other at the end because these are two women that are suffering. They're in pain. They've gone through so much violence that they, like, it's just I feel bad because I didn't want to kill her so when A- like Ellie's drowning Abby I'm just in my head stop it stop it she's already dead and I just wanted these women to find peace and then finally when like Ellie lets her go it was like the biggest sense of relief because these both of these women in their perspectives are right it doesn't matter you know like, you know, it doesn't matter either to each of them, like, oh, I know Joe did some bad things, but you know, you killed him and then, well, Joe killed my father. You know, like that's in their perspective, they're right. And the way that the story's built up in the in this game is that you kinda realize like no one's the winner. You know, where you can ki- Ellie kills all of Abby's friends and you realize like as you know we were saying earlier these are good people but in Ellie's perspective these are the enemy
0: yeah and this is where we, we, we kind of come to that crossroad between playing and watching and why I'm so adamantly against any sort of TV show because uh, I, I think you, you did miss out on some key, key components here and Jason can back me up on this if he experienced them or not first of all in The Last of Us Part 1, killing the doctors is not required. Um, it, he, he You automatically shoot one, but the others that are in the room, you don't have to. And uh, I think the, the statistics were like 8 out of 10 people who played The Last of Us say they kill the doctors. And when asked why, they say because Joel would. And so it's just the the experience of Truckmen going, look, you're just like them. Like, that's the idea. You're just like them. And in this one, he does it tenfold. Um, first of all, I want to talk about the the Abby Ellie fight round one in the theater, which was fucking brutal. Really wonderful, wonderful fighting. what what so well choreographed, so well scripted. Um, when you're you're playing as Abby, and I don't know if you you can notice this while watching it, Caroline, you're playing as Abby for most of it but not all of it. You're playing as Abby until she gets Ellie. And then you switch to Ellie to try and stop her from killing. Oh, dang.
1: I didn't really, I didn't even know about that.
0: She, they mm-hmm. can You can notice it, it's it's very subtle, and it's it, it's really all about like what side you're on at the end of the day. Like, are you tapping on Square to kill Ellie, or are you tapping on Square to get Abby off of you? And it's just one of those things. But the camera shifts very subtly whenever like Abby would grab Ellie and like grab, have her hands around her neck. It would shift to Ellie and tell you to start tapping Square. Oh God! And I thought that was a a brilliant move. To, to really up the tension because it was sad. I was sad at the end. I was like, Abby, like, Abby's angry, Ellie's angry, everyone's angry, no one's happy, and then Dina comes out, and I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Abby fucking smashes Dina's face into the floor in this monstrous rage of hers, justifiable monstrous rage. But then we go back to the end, round two's fight, and the I, you are playing as Ellie the whole time. It never switches back to Abby. They, they once you once you are Ellie, you are Ellie until the end. And she gets Abby and I, I, I just want to walk through my experience in that ending of Ellie saves Ellie's gets her down and I'm like, I'm like, it's not over, but I wish Ellie would just let it go. Ab, and Abby's walking to the boat and Ellie's like, no, we're gonna fight. And I was like, Ellie, come on. Like, come on, dude. Like, we don't need to do this right now. Abby's like, I'm not going to fight you. She's like, okay, good. I'm glad there's someone reasonable here. Ellie's like, no, fuck you. We're going to fucking fight or I'm going to kill this kid. And I'm like, Ellie, come on. Like, what is the point of this? And Abby's like, okay, fine. We'll, We'll fight. And the fight starts. And as the fight goes, at least for me, As the fight continues, as I'm winning or losing, it starts with me going, this is wrong, but I'm going to do it, to remember all those things she did to Joel, remember this, remember that, and they they throw in the cutscenes too as well, though, the little shots of of Joel, and suddenly I'm in it, suddenly I'm like, you know what, fuck this shit, fuck this bitch, if we're going to kill her, we're going to kill her, especially as it got harder as it went. And it got to the point in the final moment of the fight where they're telling you to tap square to drown her, and I'm tapping square, I'm tapping square, I'm tapping square, I'm keep going, I keep going, I keep going, and suddenly the cutscene continues, and I realize the prompt is gone, and I'm still slamming on square at this point, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how did they do that to me? And that's when the vision, the, the the image of Joel sitting at the on the porch flashes, and I that was the point where I was like, oh shit. And that was when I realized the one thing that I never even thought of throughout the entire game, which was Joel wouldn't want this, ever. And that's what I think Ellie would have realized at that point. And that's the, that's the that's the experience I had being in Ellie's shoes. And I I don't know what it was like being a participant. I don't know what Jason's experience was like, but I'll let you guys. So talk Ben. About that.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you said that because interestingly enough, in that last fight scene when you get that tap square prompt, I took my finger off the button. Oh, really? Oh. I took what I happened? because I Did said, you know else what? Happened? No, but I I as I was in it, when I got to that point, I said, you know what? At this point, I wouldn't kill Abby, and I was just curious what happened. I took my finger off the square and realized, you know, at a certain point, like, you know, I had my finger off the button for maybe, you know, 10 seconds and realized, oh, you know, it's it's scripted, so I have to keep tapping square. But, like, I took I took my finger off the button. Like, the first time I played through it, you know, it's, you know, tap square to kill Abby or whatever. And I just thought in my head, you know what, at this point, I don't want Abby to die because I don't think it's right. And I think, you know, the way that I've developed, <laughs> I guess, as a participant in this story, I, I had the exact opposite like feeling. So I, I did like I took my finger off the square button. And then when I realized, you know, you have to keep tapping square until the cutscene's over, I did. And, you know, I beat the game. But ultimately, I, I let, I let that go. Like I let that need or Desire for Revenge go because I didn't want Abby to die because at that point I didn't think she deserved it. I thought that Ellie kind of took it too far. Um, And that's interesting. I feel like that is – I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm glad you kind of said what your experience was because I think that is why – and it's controversial, I know, but that is why I feel like that scene and the storytelling in general – Really, the entire 30 hours of the story kind of leading up to that moment are so powerful and so kind of well done because, you know, it, it, it makes you question it. it. In hour two, would you have said or thought that, okay, if, uh, you know, Ellie gets in a fist fight with this character that just beat the shit out of Joel and killed a him with, kill her. Uh, you know, a golf You're club, gonna fucking kill her. Would, would you hesitate? Would you think no, about it? never. Absolutely not. Never. But 30 hours I, later, I did I, thought I took my finger off the button. I
0: thought Joel was a monster and I still wouldn't hesitate in killing her because I no one should have to sit through that and witness their father figure be slaughtered in front of them. No, I would have fucking killed her. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. You're a better man than I am. That's for sure.
1: In my head, I was just imagining like the two Pikachu's like crying as they're slapping each other like that was me like <laughs> no I'm like please stop it Bro, I'm just like it's like god damn, how strong is Abby that she's emaciated and still able to kick the shit out of Ellie? It's it's not about
0: strength. It's about the will to live. At that point, at that point, Abby had fought to survive for so long. She's not gonna let this little shrimp fucking kill her. <laughs>
1: But still, like she, like still, like was swinging on her, like like knocking Ellie out. It's like God damn. But yeah. So what? What? What's <laughs> your?
0: What was your perspective? What was your point of view of the whole situation? Was it just the Pikachu's?
1: It like it, oh, like that last scene. It was just like in my head. I'm like, we don't have to do this. Like Ellie, you know, it. We, you don't have to keep on with this because it's just senseless violence. Where Abby was, oh, like. It was Lev that got Abby to stop that circle of violence because she was just going to slit Dina's throat even though she knew she was pregnant. You know, she doesn't know she's exactly pregnant or that's a bluff. She was about to slip her th- slit her throat and Lev was the one that stopped her. And it was that moment that Abby could have chosen to continue on, but she didn't. So, it's kind of like in, like, the perspective of seeing it Abby's way, where it's like, no, like, this is senseless violence, where Abby can, I mean, Ellie can just see Abby is just, you know, like, so weak. She's been, like, uh, dehumanized. Her hair is cut off. She's literally tortured. Like, she lets Abby go, and then Abby just immediately goes for Lev, where, you know, there's no violence there. there like, Abby doesn't want to fight no more, but it's just Ellie has... You know, her closure's not done. So it was just, like, seeing, like, like I was just getting more upset because I was like, no, don't kill Abby. i grown to like this character.
0: <laughs> so it was, like, like, more of an observer right. perspective at the exactly. end of the Exactly.
2: Well, and, and that's the success of the story is exactly what you just said and exactly how I think I... You know, handled it, and to you know, an extent how Ben handled it as well. Like the fact that they were able to build a connection between you and this character that you know, thirty hours prior you reviled, you know, that killed this character. Whether whatever you thought of Joel, I mean, it's still you know, the scene. Like regardless of how much of a piece of shit Joel was, no one deserves that. I mean, for for any any reason, you know. I mean, it it, it was brutal. It was visceral. It was in your face. And they flash back to that scene of, you know, Joel dying on the on the cold floor in this, you know, uh, lodge or mansion or whatever, like several times throughout the story. And it's like in your face, you know, they're not hiding it. You know, they they show it. They show him beaten and bloody and, you know, in pain. And like the fact that they were able to build at least out of us, the three of us, uh, a connection to that character, I think, is kind of, a you know, it's 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 powerful, you know, it's, it's really well done. Um, with that said, I I had two more kind of like points I wanted to make. I mean, I'm sure we could talk about this all night. I don't know if uh, either of you had kind of like any more main things you wanted to bring up, but I had two things I definitely wanted to touch on before we're all said and done tonight. So the first thing was, uh, kind of what I hinted at when we first started the, uh, the cast tonight. Um, You know, I've really kind of taken in completing this, uh, I've taken to comparing it with uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, just because I think they they have a lot of parallels. You know, here's a game where, you know, the first Red Dead Redemption and the first Last of Us were kind of widely heralded as like games of the generation, you know, and they were subsequently in the same generation of you know, the last console generation, they were kind of seen as really a next level in terms of production value, storytelling, the aesthetic, you know, just gameplay, even just really like, you know, next level kind of, uh, um, definitely making that argument for games as art, uh, as it were. So I thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, Red Dead, I, I played through and said, this does not need a sequel. This is a self-contained story. It's perfect as far as, you know, uh, the, the video game medium, I guess, can get or, or as perfect as it can get. Same with The Last of Us. Does not need a sequel. Does not need a continuation. Does not need a cash in. This this was perfect as it was. Leave it alone. Well, especially. And I was pretty.
0: Sorry, I just want to say, especially now, I feel like it definitely doesn't need a sequel. Um, I'll let you finish your point. I'm sorry.
2: No, so, I mean, yeah, like, basically, it's interesting because, okay, fine, I think, what, Red Dead came out in 2010, and Last of Us came out in uh, 2013. So, over the last decade, we got sequels to both of those games, and they were both mic drop moments. Like, when they announced Red Dead 2, it was a mic drop. When they announced Last of Us Part 2, it was a mic drop. You know, it was, holy shit, they're going there, they're doing it. And I think it's interesting that both of those games did they did capitalize on the success of the prior game. And they, they did, in their own way, kind of build upon what made those games a success. I just think it's interesting, you know, the, the way that they kind of told the stories or developed the stories that they wanted to tell. You know, Red Dead 2 being a prequel, but being a pretty... Connective, all-encompassing prequel, and you know, tying very neatly into the beginning of the first Red Dead, while also telling a great story with you know a great character in Arthur Morgan. I mean, I, I thought he was a phenomenal character with some great development and some great kind of trials and tribulations along the way. And then you know, Last of Us Part Two with kind of Ellie's journey and kind of you know a much darker, kind of more somber tone, but ultimately with a very hopeful message, kind of in the end. Um, I just thought it was interesting, you know, just two different approaches to uh, continuation of a story that maybe initially w- didn't lend itself to being continued, or maybe didn't need to be continued. But I feel like both were successes in their own way. And um, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to touch th- touch on that because I thought it was important, and just kind of was curious what your uh, your thoughts were on that. Both,
0: both. Made themselves necessary. It's like, uh... like Also, like, Toy Story 4, I feel like. Toy Story 4 didn't need to be made. Everyone was fine with the end of Toy Story 3. That was it. And then Toy Story 4 comes out, and it explains itself. That's, like, the first thing it does. And The Last of Us 2 does it. And The Red Dead 2 does it. Where they... It, it says, okay, I know you guys don't want this. But here's why you need this. And... It's, it's up to you whether you decide that that is a legitimate argument or not. I think all of them have made very good arguments as to why they exist. I think, you know, Joel has, Joel needs to pay for the things he did. That was a very good argument right off the bat. Joel needs to pay for the things he did, and there are consequences from the person making him pay. Okay, I'm good with that. I'm, I'm in. I'm sold. Makes sense now. Uh, Red Dead 2. Uh, Dutch is not the person you thought he was. Here is who he really is. Okay, I'm into that. I'm good. Let's let's learn more about Dutch. Because really, that's what Red Dead 2 is about. Red Dead 2 is all about Dutch Vanderland. It is his story. It is, mm-hmm. it is not Arthur Morgan's story. And uh, so so, yeah, that's how I feel about it.
1: Like, that was something I was toying with in my mind watching Last of Us 2, Where I'm thinking in my head, is this a necessary sequel? Where it's very much like, oh yeah, like this was a great, great game. Not saying like, no, there didn't need to be a Last of Us 2. But that was just something that popped in my mind of, how would we have been if this game would have never came out? Where it's uh, Red Dead Redemption, that was just a nice narrative that we had. Where that was like the most hyped I've ever been for a video game. I bought a PS4 because of red dead redemption i wanted to be a rootin tootin cowboy like i like i played the first game of red dead redemption and it was just like one of those things like even then like i felt like red dead redemption 2 was far superior than the first one where i just fell in love with the characters more i had like fun time and that was probably the first game in easily 10 years that i've completed. Where I just didn't drop off because I got bored or anything, or life happened. That was the first game I actually truly completed to the ending. And you don't know how hard it was for me not to start like doing sure or like plan, 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 like in the background, because that's all I ever do. <laughs> A boat.
2: Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I I wanted to bring it up because I thought it's kind of an an interesting comparison to draw because those were two games I never thought needed to be made. And they're ultimately two games that I loved, but, you know, for very different reasons. I thought that, you know, obviously Red Dead 2 did a really good job kind of justifying its existence but it also approached in a different way it being a prequel you know a lot of those characters we knew where they ended up we knew you know a lot of those characters ended up in the ground before you know the end of the original red dead so we kind of knew where things were winding up and it was interesting to kind of fill the story in looking you know looking backwards i guess whereas with um last of us part two it was kind of interesting because it's trying to function as a continuation which you know okay fine but as I think we've stated here, you know, in the last few minutes, like, does it justify its existence? Is it a story that really is necessary and really is vital, um, you know, to kind of the understanding? And I think, which is going to lead into my next point here in a minute, you know, that's, that's kind of the trick is you either look at it as, okay, it, it truly is a part two, it's a continuation And it doesn't really betray any of the themes or any of the characterization from the first Last of Us. It just kind of expands on them and then kind of spins them in a different direction. And ultimately, you know, your characters kind of wind up a little worse for wear, but having learned kind of an important lesson and also, um, you know, reached uh, some closure, I guess, on some of the, you know, plot storylines and plot threads that were picked up and maybe um not completely resolved in the first last of us or you can look at it as you know a cheapening of the story or you know not really doing right by the characters it's so that kind of it's go it's ahead.
0: weird to me that i was so okay with how the last of us one ended before like after playing two like like you said we were very much against a sequel I thought it ended perfectly, quote unquote. and I guess I it, it, in the terms of a tragedy, it ends perfectly. in the terms of of a father who, you know who who can never be trusted again, and that's just the story that it is is he will never be trusted again, the end. Uh, I guess it works. But now that we got it all, of course it needed a sequel. Where? How did I not see it? Of course it needed it. Like, we couldn't do – we couldn't finish all any – we couldn't – the story wasn't over until we confronted all these things. Joel starts killing because his daughter was killed. Someone has to kill him. That's just the way it goes. and And that's what this was about.
1: And then Joel technically had his closure already because Ellie was, you know, he got to save his daughter. That was his sense of closure. Might not have been the best way, but that was his sense of closure. So, like, uh, one of the other things that people were getting mad about is that Joel would have never gotten himself caught. He would have never been killed like that. And it's like years have gone he was by. Old. Right. Like years have Complacent. gone by. This dude is no longer fight or flight anymore. And like, uh, why would he have like a sense of like, oh, I can't trust these people where he's been living in a community, like a very healthy lifestyle where it's just like he has like, you know, people to talk to. It's no longer, you know, like this rage that he has in him. So it, it lends himself that like, yeah, it's not surprising that, you know, he got himself killed in that sense but also he he didn't know
0: know. furthermore how would he what what would have tipped him off I, i i think and correct me if i'm wrong if i were joel the moment i would suspect that these people were here to kill specifically me is when i introduced myself as joel and i would have said oh wow you all sound like you heard of us or something that probably would have been right. about the point where, where they, I figured out they were here to hurt me, right?
1: Right. Like, and, and, well, and what did they so, what did they do
0: at that very moment? <laughs> they shot him in the well, knee with the shotgun.
2: Yeah, and, and to that end, too. So, you know, there there's a lot of notes. You know, I, I played a pretty completionist playthrough of this, which is part of the reason it took me so long. And there's a lot of notes that you start seeing kind of scattered around, um, you know, both before and after Joel's death. Um, that kind of lends, you know, credence to that theory. Like they wanted to be accepting of people, you know, uh, they wanted to be more trusting of strangers. Like Joel, Joel was largely kind of past that. So like, you know, that, that argument that I keep seeing that like, oh, Joel, you know, he was, he was a a grizzled old dog. He wouldn't let himself get, you know, caught by these, you know, kids from Seattle or whatever. Like they wanted to, you know, just be done with it. You know, they, they wanted to be, yeah, come on back, get some, you know, get some baked beans in the saloon, pet the dog, you know, get some supplies. If you want to stay, stay. If you, you want to go, you know, get it, get a full belly and a good night's sleep and, you know, be on with it. Like as much as that's like kind of hard to fathom for a lot of the fan base, like that's, that's where they were at. Like they were into the next stage. Yeah. They were into the next stage of their lives. Like they, they were, they weren't any longer kind of like in that fight or flight, do or die, like survival every single day. Like they're, they were a part of community. They're a part of a community that was thriving. It was doing well. It had defense, it had food, it had, you know, a lot of kind of the modern, you know, creature comforts that we take for granted. So like that wasn't, that wasn't the, if anything, them going on patrol was them kind of trying to stay sharp or keep a connection to the world as it is you know it's a very tenuous balance but like they they're doing that so they don't forget how things are I mean you really think like you know a couple of the um what do you want to call them like the common infected rushing at those giant fucking walls (laughs) surrounding Jackson are going to bring it down they could pick those people off all day long they were going out there So they could stay kind of frosty and stay sharp and kind of stay connected to the world as it is. And and keep
0: the roads safe for potential newcomers, of course, as well. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So I think, you know, to me, like Tommy and Joel, at that point, at the point that Joel dies, like they're – they've softened to an extent that they're actively kind of looking to, to, you know, to to be those kind of shepherds of, yeah – Come into the community, like, we're looking for good people, we're looking for new people, like, you know, I don't think he was as on edge as he was at the beginning of, you know, The Last of Us Part 1. That wasn't Joel anymore.
0: And and it, it blows my mind that these nerds who I know have read The Walking Dead can't understand that as well because, like, Rick becomes that, like, Rick and Joel are very much one and the same. And like it's he, he he literally settles down. He he stops the whole like surviving thing. He makes a town. Like it's the same story. And 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 I won't say what what that costs Rick, but uh, it's similar. So it's not a hard concept to understand. So
1: one of the funniest things I saw, uh, girlfriend reviews came out with a video of Last of Us yesterday and it was just like and people are pointing out the plot holes of why what did joel get himself killed and then like one of the points she made was why didn't fro frodo throw the ring to mordor when he got to the end they the writers must be hacks JRR tolkien is a hack <laughs> but it's just like that kind of stuff of like stop being so goddamn nitpicky with this story
0: there it's people just looking for things to hate about it it's so I I that loud minority review bombing Metacritic like all if you're if you're a person who did that, go fuck yourself and unsubscribe from our Patreon because we don't need you.
2: Well, so so that's perfect. So thank you both for that. I could not have segued into my last point any better than that was. So that really kind of was the, the final piece to this for me. So I avoided the Internet like the plague for the entire duration of like the two weeks, better part of two weeks that it took me to beat. The Last of Us Part Two, and I beat it, and I immediately was like, "Well, that was an experience, and I think it was a good experience, and I definitely get the message, and I I enjoyed it, and I thought the you know the writing was was sharp, and you know I really enjoyed the cinematography, I enjoyed the graphics, the presentation, I thought it was a worthwhile follow-up, you know, to one one game that I really kind of love, and then I went online, and oh my god, <laughs> I was just flabbergasted, like just at the the sheer amount of just hatred and vitriol and just nastiness directed towards this game and it's a shame for me because i think a lot of it has to do with a lot of the representation in this game that i think is a very positive thing and i don't think was pushing an agenda at all i think it was just you know representation for representation's sake i think it was great you know it was a lot of characters that um, in a lot of ways, especially kind of uh, looking in the direction of like Lev's character, like it, it, they grappled with a lot of kind of serious like issues in the story in a way that that also kind of seemed, you know, respectful for what they were trying to do um, and also was very inclusive and kind of painted a, a tale and painted characters that, you know, we very rarely kind of get to see in this type of medium and. Um, to say nothing of, you know, Ellie and uh, Dina's relationship at all. The fact that nothing was really made of it, like it's not a big deal because it isn't a big deal, you know, like I thought that was really refreshing and I enjoyed it. But just to see like the sheer amount of vitriol thrown at the game, you know, for those reasons and also for, you know, uh, I guess maybe even... uh, I'd hesitate to say masked reasons, but kind of masked as like, oh, the story was bullshit or the story didn't make any sense or they didn't do right by my favorite character or, you know, it it was stupid or whatever. Like, I was just really shocked that, you know, most of my close friends or people that I know, you know, personally kind of played the first game or had that connection to the first game generally had a pretty positive reaction to it. Um, But then going online and kind of looking at like the memes and looking at, you know, the Reddit pages and looking at the reviews, um, uh, you know, mostly not critic reviews, but just kind of like the user reviews um, just paint such a different story. And I was just, like I said, just really shocked at the vitriol and kind of the hatred that was thrown at the game. And, you know, uh, you've got the the, the (laughs) I, I laugh my ass off, I actually audibly laughed out loud when I was on the Reddit and uh, they're calling Neil Druckmann, Neil Cuckman. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> And, like, you know, like, just that type of shit. So I just, I thought it was interesting. And I just, I don't know, I wanted to bring it up because I wanted to get, you, you know, both of your takes on it. Um, just because, I, I don't know, it, it, it sucks to kind of keep perpetuating this myth as, you know, of the gamer as a, you know, knuckle dragger. The gamer is uh, a knuckle dragger.
0: Let me be very clear. The (laughs) quote-unquote gamer is a knuckle-dragger. There is nothing good in gamer culture. You, You and I are not gamers. We are people who play video games. We do not identify ourselves or build our personality around playing video games. These people do. They have no actual personality for themselves. They do not have any actual lives. They do not have any actual people they care about, most likely. What they have are characters that they atta- that they create emotional attachments to, and many times those ca- emotional attachments are unhealthy. In the case of Joel, they like Joel because he's big, he's brooding, and he inserts his dominance over little girls, which is what gamers love. And because of that, <laughs> they idolized him. And when Neil Druckmann killed him for a very good and real story reason, they took it as an insult. I have many of the reviews I watched on on I looked at on Metacritic and stuff. The user reviews uh, called Abby a she man, a man thing, a it was it's it's out of control. And really, it all comes down to She Hulk. What it really, which is not an insult, She Hulk is a fucking sexy beast. Uh, what it really comes <laughs> down to is these people sense that their world is collapsing. That they're no longer are going to have any quarter in which to be racist or sexist or homophobic. And they're lashing out in anger. It really comes down to... I I saw someone... (laughs) Dungeons & Dragons has recently made an announcement that uh, they are going to be changing um, how abilities tie to race. Uh, something that's long been criticized in Dungeons & Dragons because why should certain races be more be better at doing other things that seems a little wrong? And someone tweeted, oh my god, they're taking everything from us. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not my D&D. <And>
0: <laughs> the answer is, of course, yes. We are taking everything from you. There is no quarter for people like that anymore. You have two options. You can change. You can take a deep, introspective look at yourself and maybe look in the mirror and go, Am I wrong? Is it me that's the problem? And the answer will be yes. Or you can leave. You can go. No one wants you here anymore. And that's what it comes down to. Like I'm very serious. I don't want people on our Patreon... Who are like that, who do things like this, who think things like this. I don't want people in our society like that. Like, you are trash. You are ultimate trash. I, I hold, I, to answer your question, Jason, I'm sorry, I'm going on a ramble. I do not care about their opinions. They are worthless, subhuman, garbage
1: animals. I was kind of taken aback about, like, how inclusive this game was. Because, yeah, we knew that Ellie was a lesbian and whatnot. I have a friend that kind of does, like, this Alex Jones character, you know, like, where he says, like, you know, he makes jokes making fun of, like, the other side. So we were, like, discussing the whole time, like, what are, like, people criticizing this game? We're both like, it has to be the fact that you're playing Ellie, like, Ellie, who is a lesbian. So I'm getting, like, like texts from him as it's happening he's like weed smoking lesbians in my game and then like when he like the moment that you kind of find out that dina's jewish he's he's like she's jewish like just like going on a rampage like being like the gamer that's so mad and then he even called it he was like he was like i'm not i wouldn't even be surprised if like they included a trans character in this game at some point and he called it like I did not even expect that to happen like I didn't even look up any of the gameplay and like it took me like a long time to realize like Lev is trans and it was like it like I was kind of just like sitting there like accepting this character I'm like why are they calling this character like you know like the scars like why are they calling Lev this name I don't get it where it's just like me being like I don't know if it's like me being so naive or so accepting or who Caroline's knows?
0: like, I'm just too accepting. Is
1: my brain smooth? <laughs> was I dropped as a child and not comprehend anything? But it was just like kind of like that moment where I was like, oh, shit. I didn't realize that this character is trans. Now, there's some criticisms about the love character that is like a good point to make. I don't know like how much I can say on it where it's like how they refer to Like, Lev as, you know, the dead name. Where it's just like, okay, you know, like, that is not okay. But then I I read somewhere where they said they didn't like what was going on with Lev. Because it felt like it was too much, like, violence porn. And it was just, like, one of those things where it's just, like, everyone's kind of going through violence. I don't know if there's a different perspective that I'm not seeing here. Like, granted, I do think it was kind of messed up, you know, with, you know, referring the character as, you know, their dead name. Where it's just, it can be But they're the
0: they're the bad guys
1: true it could be like triggering but it's just one of those things like oh that's a good like actual criticism that's open for discussion where it's like hey maybe now we can discuss like why this kind of stuff is not okay but yeah it was totally like one of those moments that went way over my head because i did not realize like right away about this love character yeah i
2: think I I I agree with you Caroline like I think you know that's that's kind of like one of the big things you know as far as like criticism of that and kind of like the uh inclusivity of you know the the game and the writing like to me before I touch on kind of what what you just said there like I thought it was great that all these characters are who they are and it doesn't fucking matter they they just treat it as yeah they're just people they're just they're being themselves like it wasn't the focus of it like yeah you know Ellie and Dina are in a relationship. Cool. <laughs> it doesn't matter because it doesn't. Like that's just them being themselves. Like, like our trans deal char- with it.
0: Like our trans character in uh, what was that? What was that show? Another Life. You remember? Oh, that? I didn't
2: do that one. I didn't watch that one. Oh,
0: you didn't? Oh, well, shame on I you. I wasn't on that. No, one. that was they had a they had a trans character where they never addressed that she was trans. It was just like here is a character. She is part of this enjoy right and i I and
2: i think that's great and i feel like that's kind of the way they handled it of course it's being spun as you know oh it's an agenda and they're trying to push an agenda and whatever but like i didn't read that at all like if you're a normal functioning human that just you know respects your other humans and just kind of like says hey you know what i'm gonna do my thing i want everyone else to do their thing as long as they're happy that's all that matters to me like it's great because they're not really like they're not i don't know shoving your nose in it like it's it is what it is like and i i think i respect that more because it's not trying to draw attention to it for the shock value of it it's just saying these are these characters as they exist in this world they're just being themselves so like i i appreciated that and and that's part of kind of what i really liked about the story um that they were just so steadfast with that and when it comes to like you know the um character of Lev and kind of the use of the dead name and everything else like that. Like that was also kind of uh part of this that I really kind of researched and looked into. And I think, you know, it's a double-edged sword. So anytime you have like, I would say like, you know, cis folks, like we are talking about this, like it's tricky because we don't have that perspective. Like we can't sit there and say like, Oh yeah, well I know all about this or I know all about that. So I think the criticism yeah, the criticism was levied at, you know, the writers because so the character of Lev was played by a trans actor, which I respect, which was great and
1: love so much.
2: Yeah, I th- I thought that was great. So like that's that's already like really kind of, you know, trying to be kind of forward thinking and be progressive in that, you know, it would have been easy. And how many times have we seen in other media where, you know, characters are kind of miscast or they aren't cast uh, in a representative way so like that was great but of course you know the story being written by people that aren't necessarily a voice of that community there is a bit of a disconnect there so I think you know that probably the better way to go is to not say anything at all if you're not of that community because just like any other even like racial divides we have in the world today. You can't really speak on it if you aren't living that experience. So I think it's it's admirable that they tried to kind of raise the awareness of those issues and of that group. Um, but at the same time, I can see that criticism. Um, that's probably one of the few that I could kind of, if not agree with, could at least understand kind of where they're coming from. Um, but even going further, like I said, I mean, that's just one aspect of many uh, in terms of kind of what was dissected or what was torn apart with the game, I, I just feel like I don't know I, I, I think the criticism of the story and of it being kind of a coherent statement, it's just overblown. you know to me the story worked and I get it and I mean apart from those elements there's not really much that I would tear apart with it because I think generally it w- it was pretty cohesive and I thought it justified as its existence, which at the end of the day, Was really the only thing it had to do
0: yeah absolutely i i I would like to and you know i i am curious and i i want to have more conversations with uh, with someone who identifies as trans uh I, i am curious as to why dead naming and stories from bad guys from people kind of bringing to light that kind of issue is wrong i don't really understand but like jason said if 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 someone goes, if someone who is trans goes, it's wrong. Then yeah, all right, it's wrong. I sure, I I just I I am
1: curious. It's kind I, of just I, like I, the best way I understand is like almost like dehumanizing, where it's just like. Well, yeah, that's, it was. That, that's it was just very, the best it, way I can describe I, it.
0: I get dead naming is dehumanizing, one hundred percent. I understand that, but like that's like the story, right? Like Lev was being dehumanized by these people and he needed to escape and needed to uh, survive.
2: Yeah. I, I think the argument was that it was exploitative in that context that, you know, it was using the plight of, you know, the character Lev, but by extension, you know, that group of individuals, you know, that kind of mirrors a very real world group of individuals and kind of their struggles for, A story beat um which again it does but i respect that i thought yeah i thought the way that it did it was it's it's kind of one of those instances of good intentions maybe not the best execution or maybe not a watertight execution but i think the issues that they were trying to raise by bringing it up were at least admirable in their intent if that makes any sense I get Which it. is why, to me, it ultimately worked. But I can also kind of see and, I guess, respect the criticism of it. Sure,
0: I, I get that. Okay, guys, uh, we've talked a long time. Yeah. Uh, this is one of our longer episodes, and I you, you
2: it. knew it was gonna be long, though, Ben. Let's oh, be I
1: knew. I know. I was like That's looking at the one hour more. mark, and I'm like, no, I have so much more to discuss here.
0: <laughs> uh, um, unless anyone has anything else they'd like oh. to talk about.
1: I just have. To, more thing? I just got yeah, a it. couple of points. They're not like deep dive because we basically, oop, we just basically keep covered like the most important stuff, you know, like, you know, um, closure, freedom. But there was just a couple things that I thought that were like pretty entertaining or funny. One of them being, I don't know, it it's saying that this isn't a hidden epilogue, but Joel sings a song, a Pearl Jam song. But something that fans are pointing out. The song didn't officially come out till October 2013. The outbreak happened September 2013. So the fans are... Uh, Wait, wait, wait. It gets better. It gets better because fans are like, how did he know the song? So what the writers are trying to say is that he saw a YouTube video of Pearl Jam performing at Wrigley Field in july so that's why he knew yep. the song like that's the backstory <laughs> behind that like so it's like oh my gosh this is just great that they had a create which
0: this. which song was the pearl jam song was <gasps> it the s- if i lose
1: you song
2: uh it's uh no yeah it's um future days that song's called like future days, future days. Yeah. yeah that's a pearl jam song
1: so I don't know like how you find the song in the show like in the video game, but like someone was all there was just like another funny thing where like someone got control of Ellie as the guitar and she's playing metal. They got her to play the Metallica song like they figured out how to like do all like the notes and stuff like that. And the last thing I sent Ben this because I thought it was the goddamn funniest comment I've ever read before in terms of this game. Um, so we didn't discuss this, but the very uncomfortable sex scene just very uncomfortable in my opinion because there was nothing romantic about it in my opinion but I was scrolling through the comments of the YouTube video and one of the comments just killed me and I screenshot it and sent it to Ben but it was like someone said like oh that moment when that kiss didn't end at just a kiss and someone commented further and it killed me when I read it and the person said well yeah but I mean What guy is going to let things like fidelity and impending parenthood get in the way of bloody mud cakes, seawater stank, having bathed in days rage sex with the Incredible Hulk? And then in parentheses, seriously, though, can you imagine the smell in that boat cabin? I rather breathe spores. (laughs) 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 Like that, like that just killed me the most because I'm just sitting there like watching the sex scene It's like, oh, oh. Oh, where it's just like I like I felt uncomfortable watching it, but maybe that's what the writers wanted because it's just like it's just so. It's a very
0: uncomfortable. It's a scene, very
1: uncomfortable yeah. scene. We're not supposed to be watching it, but yeah, I was just thinking that the whole time. I'm like, she must have major swamp ass at this point. Who would be in the mood for that?
2: <laughs> oh,
0: By the way, future yeah. future days is the song he sings to her, and that she takes up with him. It's the if I were ever were to lose you, whatever.
2: Yeah. Oh,
1: really? Talk oh, about, I, I mean, notice. we we
2: didn't even we didn't even talk about it, and and we won't at this point. But what a if you actually read the lyrics, because I had heard that song, and I was trying to place I it, I like, it. I thought I thought I'd heard this song before, too. but like, wow, like what a perfect because I, I love the use of licensed music in like properties. Like whenever like uh, you know a big one for me, and I don't know, not to go on an aside, but like in the movie Annihilation, um, they use a Crosby, Stills, and Nash song called uh helplessly hoping i still gotta watch Um,
0: that for the record so
2: yeah no don't worry it's not a spoiler but like they use a song and like when when a song a licensed song just like lines up with everything in the story perfectly it's just like it's it's perfect like i love it um and that was one of those instances like I thought for a second, like it was an original song. I was like, wow, this is incredible. And then when I realized, oh, shit, that's a Pearl Jam song, I was like, wow, like what a a good sourcing of original music for, you know, kind of, I I guess, furthering the story. Because if you read the lyrics, it's spot on. It's perfect. Uh, So kudos to them. And, you know, I I always think that's great when you kind of have a a theme in mind and you find a piece of existing music to kind of fit that perfectly. So that was really cool.
0: All right, guys, we have gone for quite a while. We have gone from stank ass to gamer (laughs) gates to
1: stank ass again,
0: stank ass again to murdering people in the ocean. Uh, We need to close it up now. So as brief as you can, I need to know, is this good sci-fi or bad sci-fi keep in mind sci-fi is just a backdrop as it is in the last of us part one but you know you could have your opinions uh we're gonna start with jason
2: yeah so you know once again spoke at length about everything i don't think i really need to hit any points uh too much harder than we already have in the last two hours but i will say this I think it's phenomenal sci-fi, and I know we were kind of questioning, you know, the original Last of Us when we did our cast as to whether or not it was, you know, good sci-fi or whatever, since it really kind of was just the backdrop, you know, for this real human kind of character story, um, or character study, I guess, if, if you wanted to go that route, but what I thought was great about this, you know, this is using science fiction as a backdrop for this theme of revenge and for this theme of forgiveness and really doing it in the ultimate way like for me this was the ultimate expression of those themes in a science fiction capacity so in that regard i i don't think you could do a revenge story and the consequences of revenge any better in any medium than the last of us part two was able to kind of uh i guess do and and really what it was able to accomplish as a story so phenomenal science fiction phenomenal video game i agree i think even now if it's contentious it's going to go down as one of the greats and will be remembered very fondly loved it great and you know kudos to everyone involved all right thank you jason caroline
1: um 0 out of 10. I'm a men's right activist. Not enough white men in my game. No, but it, like it's just there's not much more I can add. Jason basically said everything I was thinking where, you know, the science fiction is just a backdrop, but story-wise is just amazing. Where I like I was sitting there for days like fuck, you know, where I'm just like thinking about the story and I'm like itching to talk to someone about it, but I can't because, you know, save it for the cast. Or, you know, uh, you know, like my other friends that haven't finished the game, and I'm just sitting there, like, staring, just, when are you going to complete this goddamn game so I can talk about it with people? But, yeah, it's just a fantastic story, and it forced me to be uncomfortable, which, and I had to sympathize with the supposed villain, but we're the villains at the same time, too, in a different perspective. So I'm going to say fantastic.
0: Thank you, Caroline. Uh, I have... No choice but to agree. I think this is really truly phenomenal sci-fi, magnanimous as some people may say. Uh, it was. It, it's, it exceeds the first game in just about every way. Proves it should exist and uses sci-fi a sci-fi backdrop to tell a true story of humanity. No gimmicks, no aliens, no spaceships. It's it's all just about like who we become when society is lost and i i think that's something uh it, it turns into something horrifying and beautiful all at once so phenomenal sci-fi i also want to say that you should write to your local congress people to have them ban the last of us tv show because it'll never be as good as these video games no way it'll never be You're you, uh, being an observer look and this is what it comes down to Adaptations are cool as long as you don't directly adapt the same prom- premise as the video game. Like, do a different story. Go somewhere else. So fucking stupid. That's all. Thank you so much for being a patron on our Patreon at patreon.com slash sci-fi cross-sections. Please tell all your friends to become patrons as well. The more people that become patrons, the more money we get, and the more money we get, the happier Bill is. So please, please, please tell all your friends. Tell them to come to patreon.com slash sci-fi cross-sections. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for playing The Last of Us 2. And if you're still here, obviously, thank you for not being a gamer. Hmm. <laughs> As our overlord would <laughs> would say Until next time